Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, Chris Evans here to thank you for listening to my podcast. This week on the podcast, Harry Redknapp appeared to tell us why he can't keep off our TV screens. Lena Headey gave us the inside track on the end of Game of Thrones. The extremely affable and newly sober, 100 days and counting, comedian Richard Herring tells us about taking his podcast on the road. Plus loads more from the likes of our old mate. Broadcasting behemoth, Danny Baker, singing star Louise Redknapp, and acting powerhouse Toby Jones. All of that and more on the way. Enjoy, my friends, enjoy. Oh, we do like to be beside the seaside, and so does our next guest, Bogner Regis, to be precise. It's a man who's not only co-written the brand new BBC Two comedy Don't Forget the Driver, but also stars in it twice. Please welcome the wonderful Toby Jones. Uh, morning, Toby. Good morning, Chris. How are you, pal? Uh, very good. OK, so I was watching your show last night with a very cheeky Sunday night glass of wine. Not a big one, mm. uh, but a very cheeky one, because I was still sort of on holiday in my head, because I was on the South Coast. Ah. Now, now, I had further to drive this morning, so when I've got not as far to drive, I don't have a glass of wine the night before, so to have one last night was a bit mad, but my family is still on a holiday, and I enjoyed your show with a glass of wine. What did you have to drink last night? I had a single bottle of beer, Chris, <laughs> as I watched uh, the, uh, the Line of Duty. It's a funny one, isn't it? The, yes. si- the single Sunday night drink. It's a bit sad, isn't it? Well, In the old days, you wouldn't have counted. I know, but isn't it funny that we bothered to have one? Well, Tell I, me about your the thought process, because I really, I really went through the machinations of should I or shouldn't I last night. Well, there was a bottle of wine that could have been opened, and I just, I mean, it's a weird. <laughs> yes, this is a weird calculation. That yeah. went, it's not worth a whole bottle of wine. I'm not going to open a bottle of wine because I probably won't. You know, it's too boring to go into, but basically the beer seemed like a short, See, cold funny. hit. When I was having my glass of wine last night, I actually was thinking about you and where you were and whether or not you'd be having a drink because <laughs> I felt guilty. I thought, if he's not having a drink because he wants to be sparkly and gorgeous on the show tomorrow, then it's terrible that it's, I'm hosting the show. <laughs> um, you seem your usual, you know, sparkly <laughs> self. Eff- uh, irrepressible. Irrepressible. Eff- effervescent <laughs> self. I don't notice any difference at all. I wouldn't see. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't have gone for the beer at nine. Eight's too late. I'd definitely have to get up two or three times. It was a bit gassy. For that that was exactly, that's yeah, 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 too yeah. gassy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I really would have preferred a glass of wine. <laughs> but I, I thought I'm not going to open a bottle of wine. Because these, the, these are the things, yeah. Chris. Uh, my mate, who's the hairdresser, Morning Carmel, she only buys wine she hates, so she drinks less of it. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? It's true. She, I said, she gave me a glass of wine. I said, this is terrible. She said, I know. <laughs> I buy it on purpose. I mean, she's, you know, she's not short of a few bob. But she just buys really cheap, horrible wine, so she doesn't drink as much. Anyway, your new show, it's not been on telly yet, but yes. I've seen it. Yes. And yes. you've seen it because you wrote it and you're in it. Yes, I've seen two of them. I haven't seen all of them because I don't particularly enjoy watching myself. But I have seen the first two episodes. Okay, don't forget the driver it's called. I, I don't know how you describe it. I wish you didn't have to describe it as anything. Just watch it. It's a beautiful half hour of telly. I didn't know when I was watching it, A, uh, what it was about because I never, I'd never want to know what things are about. And I didn't know it was only half an hour, uh, which did help my Sunday night preparation. So thank you for that. <laughs> I thought I was in for, for an hour. And then it ended, I thought, oh no, oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, oh no, it's ended. Oh yeah, I can go yeah. to bed. That kind of thing. <laughs> uh, so, why don't you explain to people what it's about and where it came from? Where does this show come from? So, I uh, I co wrote this with a guy called Tim Crouch, who's a rather brilliant playwright, and we uh, both uh, were interested in working together. He's from Bognor Regis, and he wanted to celebrate his childhood there, and uh, his father still lives there. And he said, the thing is that I'm obsessed with Bognorich. He said, my brother lives in Gothenburg, but there's a webcam that looks down on Bogner Beach and my brother occasionally logs on to the webcam looking at Bogner Beach. I said, well, what, what does he want to see? And he said, well, I occasionally go down there and wave at him. I went, all right, that's the beginning of a show. OK. And he said, the other thing is coach drivers who just stand by their coaches and don't really engage with the thing their passengers are going to see. Right. He says, I like that sort of vibe. And I said, did you want to write this with me? And I went, yeah, definitely, yeah. And we went to Bogner, he took me on a tour of Bogner. And Bogner's are, you know, kind of... All seaside is melancholy, I suppose. But uh, I suppose Bogner, what was great is that he had some inside knowledge there. And we decided to sort of celebrate Bogner. 
And then he said, well, maybe you should play a coach driver. And gradually the show emerged from that, really. And, and it felt like a good format because, in fact, weirdly, it felt like a format you couldn't believe hadn't been done before, which is that you've got different groups of people going to a different place each week. So you get a different group of people with their different attitudes going to a different part of uh, the UK every week, or in the first episode, Belgium. Dunkirk. Yeah. Dunkirk. Did you have to do your PSV to film the show? Please tell me you can drive a coach now. Well, it's funny. It's just come into my mind that my coaching instructor said to me, Chris Evans came and uh, trained here in uh, northwest London. Yeah, yeah, Acton. Yeah. Uh, so I went out there to do, the, to do that uh, and failed it once, then failed it again. And then I uh, was thinking about failing it a third time, but we had to carry on shooting. It takes forever, doesn't it? So do you have your PSV licence? Can you drive a coach now? I can drive a coach, but I don't have the licence. <laughs> That's like saying I can perform brain surgery, no, no, but, I mean, but just, the patient I, might die. I know how to drive the coach. You just say failed me twice on going too slow the first time and too fast the second time. Were you gutted? Yes, really of angry. Of course you were. Really of course you angry were. about it because I didn't know what to do with the failure. Oh, you know, really? you finish it cool because I don't have any reason to drive a coach. And so they said, well, you've got to take it again. And I went, but have I? I, I should. I want to pass it. But at the same time, I thought, well, there's no point. I've done the show. I love driving a coach. Yeah, anybody can go and drive a coach for a day. Of course you can. You can learn to drive a coach for a day. You don't have to go on to the next day. You just have a go for a day because you, you, you're up and driving within an hour of going to the test centre or to, to, the, um, to the place where they teach you. Acting for us, for Toby and myself, we learnt at the same place. And you're currently filming, um, you're, you're chasing the snow, you told me. Why are you chasing the snow, Toby Jones? Because we're doing a Christmas film called the Bo- A Boy Called Christmas uh, right. by Matt Haig, uh, based on the children's book. And uh, it's Jim Broadbent, myself, Sally Hawkins and Maggie Smith. What a lovely company to keep, yeah, really, isn't it? Yeah, really, really. Well, you're brilliant. Um, thank you so much. What did you have to drink on Saturday night, by the way? Well, Saturday night was a whole different kettle yeah, of fish. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I had a, a couple of cocktails on Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, tell us about the Jones cocktail palette. <coughs> French 75, Chris, oh, if we're being specific. Oh, come on, of course, come on. of course. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's champagne in there? Yeah, a bit French of champagne 75? in there. Yeah. Uh, I've even had a martini straight after. Really? How did you take your martini? Dry. Do you really? Interesting. What time did that all that finish? <laughs> you don't have to tell me. Just tell me to shut up. That's just I'm not answering these questions. How did that all finish? Yeah, it's not what I came on for. Just say that. It, it finished with dessert, I think. Did it? Yeah, 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 right. yeah. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Okay, we've got a guest on the phone now. Um, he may well have hung up, and I don't blame him if he has. Um, who might be on the phone, Dave? Looking for an epic tale? You can keep your Lord of the Rings. Lawrence of Arabia? <laughs> no thanks. Just watch our next guest trying to pay for parking with a mobile phone. The new series, Hard to Please OAPs, starts tomorrow night on ITV to its time to welcome the king of the technophobes. It's Harry Red. Now. Good morning! Good morning! Harry, how are you today? Not too bad, guys. How are you? Very well. Now, listen, I watched your show last night. It's very funny. It's called Hard to Please OAPs. Yeah. Um, and basically, you're let loose to this year. There's June Brown, there's Jack Whitehall's dad, uh, there's um, uh, Sheila Ferguson um, from The Three Degrees and others, and Amanda Barry's there as well. And basically, you're just sort of thrust in the middle of modern life, and uh, yeah. you've, you're filmed. You're, you're in Windsor. You're about a mile from our house. You should have said it. You could have come around for a cup of tea. I would have um, popped in with a cup of tea. You, you would have done. And so, so what kind of challenges are we talking about? John Sargent's there. He tries to get to grips with what's your vacuum cleaner called, Vassos? Oh, Sylvia. He tries to. He's he's <laughs> delivered a Sylvia in a box, and he's a got to figure out what it is. Then B try and put it together. Then C try and get her to work, which he really can't do. And so, what did you have to do, Harry? First off, well, there's all types of things, you know. Uh, uh, do a look, put a lawnmower together that would work automatically just on its own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a, dis- I had a bit of a disaster <laughs> with that. Um, anything I tried, Chris, I made a mess of. Really, I mean, I'm so useless. It's scary. You just cannot believe it. I mean, I'm just about, just about worked the telephone, but um, other than that, I can't work. I don't, I don't have a computer. I'm just. Uh, I don't have a laptop, I don't have, honestly, I don't have an iPad. I'm, I'm so in the old world, it's scary, mate. OK, uh, so you attempted to pay for this parking via the, uh, the via the phone app. Now, we had to do this three times over the weekend. My wife is, is a genius at this, but you have to register your, your the, the, all the different number plates of you, your car, or your wife's car, or your mum's car, or your dad's yeah. car, or your kid's car, and, and then you have to put in your blooming credit card number for the first time, which takes forever, because, and if you get one digit wrong, then you've got to start the whole process again. I don't know why they're doing it like this. I, sp- I suppose it's in the opening um, 
scenes to your show, it does say, doesn't it? It does specify that it's predicted by 2046 there won't be any cash in the world anymore. So I suppose that's... Is that one? problem with me. No, I won't be worried about that one, Chris. <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, no, I didn't mean it like that, Harry. I didn't mean... <laughs> Oh, Listen, if you if you ain't got a, you know if you go in a car park and you ain't got a machine where you can put two quid in or whatever, I'm I'm out of there. If it's anything that's a bit technical, I've, I've got a problem. So you've been doing the show. You did the the, the jungle. You're going on your talking tour, and yeah. uh, and you did the thing uh, with the the ex footballers a couple of weeks ago. I mean, you're, this is a real second lease of life for you, isn't it? It has been. Yeah, it's kept me busy though, Chris. I mean. Uh, as a mate of mine said, I said, listen, I think I'm, I'm, I'm overdoing it. But he said, Harry, what would you be doing, really? He said, now, 70-odd years of age, you'd be, you know, you, would you want to be sitting in, in front of the TV all day? Just, you know, I said, no, it, it, it's kept me busy. It's, it certainly has given me a new lease of life, Chris. So if I'm not playing golf now or going to football, you know, I've had other, other things to do, and it's, it's been good fun. Now, Jack Whitehall's dad, how would you get on with him? Good. Yeah, yeah, funny guy. He's very, very funny, very isn't funny he? He's hilarious. Yeah, See where Jack gets it from. He's, uh, you see where Jack gets it from. Jack's Jack's. I love Jack as well. So it was, it was, a, it was good working with him. So, so Ruth Maddox in this. Did you all get together? Did you have a big pub lunch and talk about it? Lionel Blair, ninety Lionel Blairs in it. Blimey! I know, I know. Ruth Maddox. I mean, she went on one of them segways, and uh, <laughs> I mean that was that was quite dangerous. Me and her on a golf course. She, we... she went flying. I nearly went said something else, but she. Uh, she absolutely, yeah, it was hard keeping. She went down the hill and suddenly she disappeared into the bushes. But, um, no, it was good. It was good fun. They were all nice people. So it, I think anything like that that uh, you do, if the people are nice, it makes it easy for me. So it was good. Also, what I love about it is, the, is it, because of the context, because of your perspective on things, you know, as you get older, I mean, you know, I'm 53, I'm, yeah. you know, and even at 53, you just start to relax about things more. And you, with you guys trying out all this stuff, you, it, it makes it look more nonsensical than it probably already is. It's like, why are we doing all this stuff? What is this all about? What's wrong with a normal vacuum cleaner what's wrong with a, a brush and pan do you know what i mean that's how i am chris yeah i'm not you know for me now to change and it's not going to happen i'm just really you know um as i say i'm pretty you know even telephones even uh, working any kind of gadget i find difficult i'm really not a it's not that you find it difficult is it you just can't be bothered because i'm the i mean i'm can't sure bothered, yeah. yeah i'm sure my we could do it. Off. it it don't interest me i'm just <laughs> it goes over my head, and uh, I, I'm not interested. All right, will you do another series? What's what's the scoop on what's going no, on? No, I don't know, really. Let's see how this one comes out, I suppose. Oh, I I'm it. looking forward to seeing it, but uh, I haven't even seen the clip, so um, it'll be... It'll be brand new to me when I watch it so it'll be interesting yeah. well you know what the second series is going to be hard to please OAP's North America they'll, they'll get you on a plane just like <laughs> the, of course they will that's what they've done with Jamie you know your son and League of Their Own they'll just put you on a yeah. road trip and it'll be like yeah. the real Marigold Hotel meets That's Life that's it, that'll do. Be a couple of weeks in America or somewhere, I'll have that. Right, I'm ready. If the right. producer wants it, I'm up for it. All right, Harry Readynap. Uh, thank you very much, Harry, for being on the show. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks' time about something else, I'm sure. Chris, good to talk to you. Tell her, mate. Bye. All right, pal. Cheers. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. The best entertainment all in one place. On Virgin Radio. Do you feel your days off with junk food experiences or superfood experiences? Well, our next guest has seven rules that he believes will make your free time richer, happier, and more nutritious. Please welcome the author of Time and How to Spend It. It's the incredibly fulfilled Mr. James Wallman. Good morning, James. Good morning. Welcome back you? after all these years. Thank you for having Stuffication, me, Stuffication, rock and roll. Thanks. 100,000 copies and still selling. Uh, and still selling, absolutely. And not just to my mum. <laughs> to other people as well, I'm happy to Members say. of your family. So, um, big decision. You have a big hit. It's like an, you know, a band, Second Album Syndrome. <laughs> what do you do for your next book? You've written two books, haven't you, Vass? Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's not dissimilar for you. How do you decide what to, what, to, what to focus your second book thoughts on and how happy are you with it? How long did it take? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's such a good question. Thank you. Um, the guys at Penguin would come to me every now and again and take me for lunch and say, come on, James, what's next? You know, we've done Stuffocation. What's the next big trend? Yes. You know, you know, we're moving from stuff to experiences. And I would sort of sit there and say, well, I can't just say there's another big trend. That would smell like bad fish because I think this is a really big thing. This move from material goods to experiences is like a, a major trend that will happen out, you know, take place over decades. And one of the things that would come to me, I'd give talks and stuff, is people would say to me, okay, great, so Stuffocation said... Don't spend on stuff, spend on experiences, but what kind of experiences? I didn't know. I didn't know the answer. I mean, I had an opinion, I got a view, um, but I didn't know the answer. So what I did was I started to sort of dig around. I started to talk to 
psychologists and economists and historians. Proper and people who know big stuff. People cleverer than me. No, that was the, no, 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 no. Isn't no. that the key in life, right? Find people smarter than you. Surround yourself with... Steal their <laughs> ideas. That's exactly what I've done here. So I talk to people much smarter than me. But you, you lo- there are some lovely ideas. I mean, in every chapter... I, sa- I said to James before he came on the air, we could do an interview on each chapter of this book once a month, which we could do. So we could just talk about the first chapter this month. I'm just, available, yeah, just so you know. No, well, so am I. It's <laughs> on 6.33. Ten of us here too, aren't you? I am. Let's talk about the opposite of loneliness, because if loneliness exists, everything should have a, a, an equal and opposite action or reaction or uh, entity to it. So therefore, if loneliness exists, what is the opposite of loneliness? Now, a student wrote an essay on this, so tell us her story. I always get a bit emotional thinking about this. I've been in touch with her mother, a um, girl called Marina Keegan, and she was graduating a few years ago from Yale in the US, and um, they published a special edition of the paper. And she wrote about how what she'd found at Yale with all her friends and, you know, they'd stayed up till 4am and she... I can't really quote it because she's a much better writer than me. (coughs) I suppose what she was saying is that uni life, like working on a show like this or being in a band, when they're at the zenith, is you are just so not lonely, it's it's not funny. Yeah, when you're going through an intense experience with some people and you go through something and and you feel, that's one of the things she said, you feel like people are on your team. You know, when you go through something and it's tough and it's hard and sometimes somebody supports you and they're there for you and that, you know, that moment at the end of the, the best bit of the party when there's four of you still up yeah. and you have that conversation that you yeah. you know and the rest of the party you forget it's that bit that counts the most you wrote about that and said that what she'd found and what she wanted in life was the opposite of loneliness and then um about a few days later she was um as she you know she graduated her parents came and they took pictures and she was do. so excited about her life wasn't oh, she, she was she was and she's she wrote about how she we're so young and it's so crazy to think that we, we can do anything and we've she was, got so much was, yeah. time um, and then five days later, she was driving home for her father's birthday and um, the, the, her boyfriend, um, who wasn't drunk, um, wasn't over the limit, but he um, clipped the barrier and she had put her seat back. Um, he survived. The car flipped over a couple of times, but she died in, in the crash. She was having a sleep, wasn't she? She was tired because it was a long drive, wasn't Yeah, she? exactly. Yeah. Um, and um, her mother went through the wreckage and found her laptop and um, took out the hard drive and has turned that into a book called The Opposite of Loneliness. But the essay was put onto the Yale University website um, that day, and, it, you know, news travelled fast, because, uh, you know, the, the, um, the poignancy of just this amazing character with... Re- I mean, she was fierce. You know, she was one of these... Um, she's fierce, quite, she's funny. She was noisy. You know, she, she, she had bangles when she walked geeky. into a room. Yeah, yeah, she was... And she was talented, and I think she was... She was a character. Um, she was in some sailing race one, one time, and everybody came in because the wind was too dangerous, and she carried on and completed the race. You know, she was really determined, and um, she was set for success, and, um, you know, sadly, her life was taken really early. And I think people related to it because they felt this, you know, sadness towards what had happened to her, but also this idea of the opposite of loneliness. Because what's super interesting, this is where the science comes in, is it's not the opposite of loneliness isn't just what we want, it's actually what we need in life. Because if you look at the, there's this incredible piece of data um, put together by um, a woman um, in Utah that discovered that if you are lonely, you are 29% more likely to die. When they do mortality research, it's one of the easiest pieces of research you can ever conduct because what you do is you go and see somebody and then you come back and see them a few years later and it's either a tick or a cross. And what they discovered is that people who are lonely are 29% more likely to not be alive anymore. And you put that together with one of the longest studies ever conducted, conducted at Harvard since 1939, an 80-year study, and they looked at the people who are healthier, happier, and live longer. And the people who are healthier and happier and live longer, it doesn't matter how much you smoke, doesn't matter how much you exercise, doesn't matter so much what you eat. The most important thing, the, the clearest indicator of a long, happy, healthy life is friends, it's relationships, it's the opposite of loneliness. And when you, when you hear that stuff... You know, we all know friends matter. We all know our family matters. But when you know that, you know, when you've got the science in front of you and there you are and you haven't been in touch with your old friend for a while, you pick up the phone and you go see somebody. You make that effort and it's worth doing. It's funny, isn't it? Because one of the things, the main thing that can stand between you and any relationship is when 
you have an issue with that other person or those other people. And that's why they say the meaning of life is forgiveness. Because if you can always forgive, you always have these people around you and you never push them away or push yourself away from them. And often, you know, they do say that the, the victims of lack of forgiveness isn't the person who is due to be forgiven, it's the one who refuses to forgive. It's such a good point because the thing about forgiveness is, you know, it's part of, you know, it's like love and gratitude. These aren't kind of stocks, they're flows. It's not something you just have and you kind of hand over. It's something that comes through you. But but the forgiveness thing um, is super important. If you think about that first chapter about story and the, and the hero's journey, we all need the tests, the allies and the enemies to discover who we are. Yeah, 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 and actually, yeah, yeah. when somebody's really annoying and I had a bit of a Barney with the wife over who was using the bathroom first this morning and we had to do some forgiveness and she had to forgive me if she's listening. <laughs> please forgive me, darling. Um, and I did make it here on time, so Tales it was all okay. Tales from ZW3. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, you know, we need those people to discover who we are. Yeah, and if yeah. we can realise that actually relationships are super important yeah. and we go through the process of saying, not just forgiving somebody, but actually thanking them for giving us the opportunity yeah. to kind of like be a better person. I know that sounds kind of a bit woo-woo, but it, it, it's good for us and it's well, good you, for you, being a hero. Your, t- and- your patience and, and um, your consideration can only be improved if it's tested. Because yeah. you wouldn't choose to go and you don't go out trying to try and improve your patience and your tolerance on a daily. Why would you do? Well, how would you do that unless it was tested? You know, I, I, there's so much talk. I said you need to come back because I want to talk about this: the rise of the Sufferfests and everything else that's in your amazing book because it's gorgeous. You're you're a genius. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Whether you're vegan, veggie, flexy, or simply fancy trying something different, the boys behind Number One Sunday Times bestseller Bosch are back and making us think twice about our next meaty mouthful. Here to get to the root of Bish Bash Bosch, it's plant pioneers Henry Firth and Ian Thiesby. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. And thank you for sitting in order, because that makes my life a lot easier, because you look very similar. <laughs> so much, yeah. yeah, everyone confuses us. Basically, I'd answer to both Henry and Ian, as so does he. Likewise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and did you agree, was, was the beard thing, was that a conversation, was that a deal, yeah, was that an agreement? Yeah, we go to the same grooming salon, That's we basically it. do everything together. How did you meet, you two? We met when we were 11 years old at high school school in Sheffield. Right, and when did the beards happen? Who, who, was, who grew the Ooh, beard successfully first? I, I reckon think, you did. I think it was me. I was quite an early bloomer. I was about 14 and a half years old. You had a beard at 14? Yeah, well, it was I'm sort not of sure like about the that. beginnings of <laughs> one. Yeah. All right, good. Uh, so, so you work together now. Uh, Bosch was a massive bestseller. Uh, Bish Bash Bosch had to happen uh, mm. by popular demand. Uh, first of all, tell us about the benefits of a vegan diet because I do know, uh, but tell people that may not know uh, because now lots of athletes swear by vegan diets. They have more energy rather than less energy. The big myth that, you know, you get your iron from meat, yeah, but most meat eaters, uh, most meat producers are in fact herbivores and so they must get their iron from oh guess what plants right uh-huh. to you two I mean look there's so many athletes that are going plant based and like Lewis Hamilton David Hay Chris lo- Smalling loads of really inspiring people that are doing it and they're they're saying that they're finding recovery is a load better mm-hmm. it's maybe a little bit lighter on the digestive system but also yeah you don't need protein you don't need we do need protein you don't need meat for protein you can get plenty from from plants and from like uh, the perspective of the regular person like for us when we went vegan first and foremost are you both was, vegan then yeah, yeah it's yeah. official okay. yes right. so um, like hair got thicker skin got clearer energy levels went up started sleeping sounder waking up fresher there was a whole raft of fantastic health benefits that came from it hair got thicker yep yeah. <laughs> alright that's it I'm done yeah. when do I sign and you've got a marathon to run right so yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. want to fuel up on this. I mean, it is basically a salad, look. It may yeah. look like croissants, <laughs> croissants but it's made brownies. from plants. So, <laughs> no, Another great sell. Yeah. So your hair's going to get thicker and you can eat things that look like things you're not exactly. eating. Really yeah. easy. Bosch was the first book. Bish Bash Bosch is the second book. Yeah. Bit of an issue with the, fourth, the third title. I know. Got any ideas? No, but we can come up with some. Uh, 87, triple two. Come up with the title yeah. of, the, of the Bosch Boys' the third book. book. You've gone early on the Bish. I know. I know. <laughs> it's true, actually. Yeah. We should have saved it. We should have saved yeah. it for the we next book. Really, just in Bosh Bosh. Yeah. We had to call this book Bish Bash Bosh. Why? 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 Because it's just, we couldn't call it anything else, and someone else might have, you know, jumped as yeah, someone else. Well, if you've got it. Bosh and Bash Bosh out, someone Bish else Bosh. is going to publish yeah. Bish Bash Bosh. Yeah. Maybe. How very dare they? Not, they these, <laughs> not these days. They're all seduced by their screens. Yeah. They don't come with anything original or even sort of perfunctory. Uh, so, Bosh 2. I mean, it lends itself to loads of things, doesn't Posh, it? Bosh, like, yeah. Bosh, 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 Bosh,
Bish bash posh could be All good. Right. Yeah, like or, or a truffle book. oils and posh. Uh, bish bash tosh. Yeah. No, don't do that. Boshier, bashier. Bosh nosh. Bosh nosh. Oh, bosh. We shouldn't be saying any of these as. Look at your face. It's like, these are really good. Please stop saying them out loud on the radio. These boys are fantastic. Bish bash bosh by Henry Firth and Ian Theesby is out now. 140 recipes, all excellent for you. It all looks gorgeous. And often we eat with our eyes. And if it looks good on the plate, it usually tastes good in the tummy, hopefully for all the right reasons. And you're coming to Carfest, aren't you? We are. We're going to be there on Friday. We're going to cook some food, meet people. It's going to be fun. Now, the only... Sorry, word to the wise here. The only problem you have is if you come on Friday, right? If, you, if you're booked for one day for Carfest yeah. and it's Sunday, that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. But if you come on Friday, you will be there till Monday. We'll stay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you will. I'm sorry. Right. Oh, so you <laughs> might as well... Works. We'll keep the weekend free. your diary. But lovely to meet you properly, boys. <laughs> Thank so you, good to nice meet one, you. Bish, bash, bosh, boom. There's another one. No. <laughs> what about bish, bash, bada, bada, bing? <laughs> Yeah, stop it now. Okay, right, we'll, we'll shut up. Thank you. You're both brilliant. Thank you, boys. Thank you. Thank you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. He records himself looking for stones, potting snooker balls and talking to the odd celebrity or two. Now you can watch him recording live in your town on the Leicester Square Theatre Podcast Tour. Please welcome the cunning conversationalist, Richard Herring. Morning, Richard. Hello, how are you doing? Happy anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> Do you want to tell everyone? Well, it's 100 days since I've had a drink today. Okay, so last week was on um, New Year's Eve. Are we 100 days from New Year's yeah, Eve? Yeah, we are. Well, today, yeah. So I get through today. I've done 99 days. I could crack. Nah, you're pretty confident, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> I think it should be so, all right. So where was it? What was it? What was the last track? I think I had champagne on just probably champagne! midnight. Yeah. Yeah. And was it pre-midnight? Are you, I are think you... it was just... Uh, pre- I think I might have gone to bed before midnight. On We've got two Most young kids. So I, th- I, might, I might have taken the advantage of going to bed. I think it might have been about half ten. We so All right. Uh, so we're talking podcasts. We're talking um, a Leicester Square theatre experience, but also one that's going on the road. So there's a little bit of confusion there, so let's sort it out for people listening. Yeah, well, we started calling it Rahalastapa, which is the an acronym of it, uh, which was is, is the thing that everyone checks. We do have this sort of crackerjack thing. You can thing. say you have another drink for a hundred years. And so, uh, so yeah, because it's so it, che- it means something different everywhere we go now. RHLSTP. Um, and but yeah, so it started at the Leicester Square Theatre. We've been doing it for about seven years at the Leicester Square Theatre. Really? We've done two hundred and twenty-six or something like that of these uh, podcasts with people like Stephen Fry and Dawn French and people from America. Also, we had Richard E. Grant on the other day. Uh, so it's it's kind of we're kind of getting interesting. Mainly comedians, but like in people who I think will be funny. Uh, so we're going to take it on the road and have hopefully people from your city uh, coming in. We're doing Salford next uh, month in uh, in May twenty fifth, I think. And Sarah Milliken's going to be one of the guests. I'm just revealing that for the first time. Uh, and a couple of guys from Emmerdale are doing the Leeds City Varieties uh, on the eleventh of May. So yeah, so I'm going to be booking people who are local who I think will be funny, and then it's just an hour of kind of chat uh, of chat with each of them. Uh, and do two on a night, and uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's, it's uh, because it's that long form thing we don't get very much anymore, and, you, and because it's on the internet, you can say what you like, and uh, it gives people a chance to properly open up and sort. It's funny, but then occasionally Stephen Fry kind of opened up about a suicide attempt he'd had. It was very moving and very inspirational, and. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a very relaxed atmosphere, so it's a, it's a nice podcast to do. All right, Richie's on tour, and he's a lovely man. Richard Herring on tour. Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast Tour. It's a bit confusing, but just go with it. Uh, richardherring.com. Tickets on sale now. Uh, when does the tour start? What kind of places are you going to take in? Well, it's sort of all over. I'm going to places I generally do quite well at already. So it sort of started out in Birmingham uh, last month, and that was oh, so you've fantastic. Done it. You've, you've I've done, done a bit. Yeah, I've done a right, And okay. so, I mean, Leeds on May the 11th, I think, and uh, Salford on the 25th. Of May, and Wakefield, then... London, London, Warwick, Henley, Edinburgh, Henley. Yeah. Oh, Henley's a nice one. Yeah. July, Sunday, the fourteenth. Is yeah. that is that around the, the regatta time? It's part of the festival. There's an actual oh, festival. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm interviewing Barry Cryer on that one, which will be fun. Because he lives nearby. He does. Yeah, yeah. They all live. You could do load of people. They all live around <laughs> there. All the old school. Um, right, Rich. I suppose we're done. Okay. Um, you don't have to pretend you like cricket. Um, oh. <laughs> I was just gearing up. I do, but I do like cricket. Okay, uh, so uh, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast Tour. Uh, tickets on sale now. Uh, dates already have been achieved and been triumphant. More will follow. Uh, go to richardherring.com for all dates, all areas. Uh, 
and ticket prices and ticket availability. Happy? Yeah. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Not content with selling 15 million records worldwide, our next guest is now conquering the West End. She's back in 9 to 5 The Musical at London Savoy Theatre and returns later this year with her first new album in 18 years. Please welcome the wonderful Louise Redknapp. Good morning, Louise. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. You? Yeah, fantastic. So 9 to 5 The Musical, how did you get in it? What do you do when you're in it? Um, how did I get in it? I got asked to do it mm-hmm. after Cabaret. I, I um, played Sally Bowles in Cabaret, Cabaret last year, so they asked me to come and do this. I play Violet Newstead, who's like the office boss. Um, and I love it, yeah. I mean, it's different from music, obviously, and the kind of music, but I get to sing songs that Dolly's written. And yeah, it's a real feel-good show. It's like the best fun night out. So would the journey be strictly, strictly the live show? So strictly Come Dancing on the Telly, strictly the live show? show cabaret and and nine to five would that be sort of the is that the arc we're talking that, that's about? the arc with an album recorded in the middle oh, it's not bad, is it? <laughs> and a song out so at the minute so yeah it's been a, a bit it's been a crazy few months and how, how big is this role in nine to five compared to the role you played in cabaret um they were both leading ladies so that's it then but um i'd say i'm on stage more in nine to five i'd right. say there's a lot more content i think because i shared um obviously cabaret i was with will young who you know, played MC, so it's a big role. Um, where this show is really based about three girls, so we're not off stage pretty much. Is it good fun? <laughs> Do you know it's the best fun? It's a real feel good. Like everybody comes, you can get a cup of ambition, which I don't know what's in it, but I'm really upset. I've not tried one yet. I might put that in my Amsterdam marathon book. <laughs> cup of ambition. Cup of ambition. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, instead of yeah. gels, instead of energy gels. <laughs> what I needed in Manchester. <laughs> Cup of ambition when you're halfway around. Interesting, interesting. Cup of ambition. What was hardest, or what is hardest, um, performing in nine to five every night or the rehearsals you had to undertake and get through to performing strictly once a week, um, physically? Oh, God, that's a hard one. I mean, getting ready for the West End is tough, especially when you're coming in and everybody else in the cast has been doing it for three months and you're so up to speed because you feel like you're going to let them down. Um, But I think with Strictly, it's just the pressure of... You just don't want to muck up. You get one chance. Well, at least in the West End, if you muck up one night, you can try and put it so. right so the next show, night. You can fix it the next day, can't you? <laughs> but, Not that anything ever goes wrong. Of but course, but strictly, it's you know, you muck up, you're out. So um, yeah, it was nerve wracking. But luckily, I went into it just with a just do my best, see what happens. I the flip side of that is though, um, you know, you're you're an amateur on Strictly, so in a way you can be forgiven for messing up. Yes. Whereas in, in, in 9 to 5, the musical, people are expecting the real yeah, deal because you're top absolutely. of the shop. Absolutely. People are paying to come and see you. And um, also, I think with 9 to 5, as it's kind of more nerve-wracking because if you mess up, you mess everybody else's performance up. Yeah. You're, you're all in it together. Um, it, but it's been great. I've loved it. I realise... Uh, there's always a moment every night when we walk down at the end to the bows and the three girls, we all walk down holding hands together and it's such an empowerful moment and every night I do that, like, my heart swells with pride because it's just such a special moment and it's the... Things like that that you never forget in this industry. Uh, Louise, lovely to talk to you again. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks okay. for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, so, Louise, new album out now. Give it a plug again. Yeah, it's Heavy Love, Single Out Stretch and 9 to 5. 9 all to good. 5 musical, all good and you're good on tour. And it's just great to have you around. That is Louise Redknapp, everyone. Thank you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. The best entertainment all in one place. On Virgin Radio. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Our next guest is king of the written word, king of the airwaves, and a recently anointed king no, of the... Steady on, steady king, on the king of the airwaves. <laughs> king of the stage. Due to phenomenal public demand, he's announced more dates on his Good Time Charlie's Back Tour. Please welcome the broadcasting behemoth and podcast king, Danny Baker. Morning, Dan. Exactly as I wrote it. Well delivered. Uh, good morning to you, Chris Evans. Right, so come on, off, off you go then. Uh, back due, due to phenomenal public demand, um, more dates on this Good Time Charlie's Back Tour. How phenomenal has the public I tell you, th- this leg of it, as you know, two years ago, yeah. I, I never saw myself as a baggy pen song and dance man treading the boards, the first <laughs> love, my you know, the theatre. Uh, but get tr- in, in attempting to retire, and you know this is true, <laughs> at 60 years old, to go to a beach, I thought I'd do one show after 42 years in showbiz saying, well, you know, from Tommy Cooper through the Sex Pistols, through Chris Evans and all of that, uh, this is what it's like to be shot out of a cannon at 14 from school <laughs> and end up doing this racket for 42 years. So I, did, I thought I'd do one of those, and Evening with sold out. Boom. They said, "Do you want to do another one?" I said, "I'm not sure." They said, "Do you want to see the receipts from that?" I said, "All right, let's do another one." And, <laughs> and that turned out to be 62 dates from Cumbria down to the Isle of Wight. The myth about me is, oh, he's to London. Not true. 62 dates. Uh, uh, it was going to be an hour and a half crisp talking about my showbiz career. By the end of it, it was three and a half hours and I hadn't left school yet because the story's about me dad and everything else, you know. And the public seemed to like it and then so the second phase of it, which is Good Time Charlie's Back, we did last year. But anyone who does what I do, any, anyone would tell you, what people say is, why didn't you come here? Why, why don't you like us? Particularly Scotland. But planning tours, as I found out, I'll at me like an old veteran. Planning tours is like visiting relatives at Christmas. You can't pick and choose because they won't be in. Let's go there. Never, we've never done Liverpool, for example. Extraordinary. Nottingham. And Scotland, this time Aberdeen, Glasgow, Edinburgh. So this last tranche of it is so people won't stop me all the time and say, how come you don't come here? And it is a hell's a popping night out, as you can probably imagine. So three and a half hours and counting. Yeah, you, you, you're somewhere between Bruce Springsteen and Ken Dodd. It is somewhere like, it's like the Grateful Dead for the, uh, for the older listeners. By the way, uh, where we are now, of course, is where I grew up. A lot of the stories I tell are where this very building stands. Really? And it is extraordinary to walk around here and think, man alive. I mean, over the... Ro- I was shot. <laughs> I was shot, Chris, not a quarter of a mile from here. Cabs would not bring you here. You probably know. You'd stand in London's Oxford Street in London's busy West End, put your hand out for a black cab. You say, uh, "Bermondsey, mate." Boom! They wouldn't even answer. Well, they just well, drive. Why st- particularly? They just wouldn't come south of the river. Right. Nobody wanted to come. Not because it was so evil. It seemed like the end of the world. Right. Now it's the centre of the world. I was really shot a quarter of a mile from here by some West Ham supporters. <laughs> now you, you nearly shot. I was shot. <laughs> I, thought, I was shot. I thought you said shocked. No, shot. <laughs> I was shot twice. One of them in the rump. You actually were. Yes, shot. I promise you. Just with a gun. Uh, where we are now, quarter of a mile from here in, uh, in Tooley Street, just right. across the road from here, uh, in about 1975 or six, when because all the pubs over here, because yes. it was all Dockers pubs, they used to stay open late when uh-huh. the licensing said you had to shut at eleven. So these terrible old boozers, this uh, you know, absolutely depressed and well, imagine Radio Two. That's what they were like. <laughs> and we used to go, but they'd be empty, and then you'd uh, walk about quarter to eleven. All the young people would turn up because they carry on serving. I come out of there about two in the morning with about eleven of my friends walking down Tooley Street, quite a, a dark street, and a car went by, and I and I was at the back, and I heard that, and I looked down at my knee. Now it wasn't a bullet, and it wasn't one of the things like you use at a fairground. It was those long, thin silver slugs that used to have a feather on the back. I don't know if you remember them. I do remember. The, yeah, 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 right into the knee. The feather was sticking out. I shouted out, "I've been shot! I've been a lot of blood from my knee." This car sped off down Jamaica Road here. And my mates thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Hi, hi, Baker's been shot. It must have been West Ham support. You used to drive around here yeah. looking for trouble. I pulled it out and I'm bleeding. And this, I said, it's all right. I can't. What I didn't notice is there's a roundabout just by the Rotherhide Tunnel here. You, and they'd turn round and now coming back up the other side of the road, everyone's gathered around me. I'm doubled over pulling this thing out of my knee. Mm. My rump is towards the road. It's oh, a big target, Chris. And then... <laughs> And they got me again. It's absolutely true. Uh, uh, I was shot twice just over oh, there. See, I've known you for years. You've never told me that yeah, story Yeah, true story. Well, is, is, is that in the set? That isn't even in the set. Right. That isn't even in the set. Uh, what is in uh, a, a pub that used to be about a quarter of a mile from... You can't imagine where we are. It's an absolute glass cathedral, the most modern building in the world. About a quarter of a mile away, another pub called the Anti-Galligan. I left there at about one o'clock one night. They said, oh, you're taking a chance. Why? Davy the Dwarf. And I said, what? And they said... 
David a dwarf, and I had no idea what they were talking about. And there was, and it's one of those tragic things. What are you talking about? I walked out of here, and the arches under here used to be some of the most de- desolate places you can imagine. All the London Dungeon used yeah, to be here, yeah, yeah. absolutely deserted part of London. Coming towards me on the other side of the road was a figure about eight feet tall in this arch. He had his hand against the top of it on the other side of the road. <sighs> Uh, swinging these huge legs. And there was this fella who was so traumatised by his height restriction. He used to walk around Bermondsey, where we are now, after dark, being a big person. But it overcompensated, and it was the most eerie things I've ever seen. Uh, uh, and he walked by on the other side of the road, and I, my blood run cold. And I thought... This is the power of suggestion. They said, David the Dwarf, next morning I said, I saw him, I saw him, and I started running. And they said, yeah, yeah, he, he walks around Bermondsey after dark, and he was at least eight feet tall. It was one of the most tragic and chilling things I've ever seen. Now, Danny, you, I, I and all your pals and all your fans have been saying uh, you could do this for years, and you've only been doing it for the last couple of years. Two years. Uh, why why, call, why call, it, call it a day? I mean, well, I'm not calling it a day. Right. Uh, I mean, well, oh, yes, I am calling it a day. <laughs> well, why you or aren't you? Uh, uh, I am. I am trying to retire. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, no, I'm 60, and people say, oh, you couldn't retire. You, you watch me. I'm very good at flicking playing cards into a top hat and looking at my old. Are you? Yeah. So I've always wanted to do that. Oh. <laughs> if, if only this were a, a Friday night TV show, we could sit here now and do that. Yeah. Uh, just but, imagine. But I, I, every time I try to, and and, and I'm not being cutesy pie here. Like the tour was supposed to be one evening with turned out to be 62 dates now it turns out 120 now we're still doing this uh, there will be a third one God. My Wendy, this my retirement wife, is my getting wife, further we, and further Wendy's away Wendy's drumming her fingers saying oh the old retirement gag eh? is that what it is uh, <laughs> uh, the other thing Come the on. other uh, direct messages I had yep. and I promise I'm not doing this to say oh I'm hot and busy I'd rather be doing playing cards into a top hat was from Will Will McDonald, who was the producer on TFI Friday, uh, Will gets in touch. Dan, I'm doing this game show for Channel 5. Uh, would you be one of the captains? Will, I'm 61. What would captain on a game I'm show? I'm trying to retire. I, 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 but no, I said, I've been around that rodeo. And he said, well, you know, it's good, but uh, American company owns it and we've got a live bar and a live band on it. Where'd you get that idea from? So I said, oh, I don't think so, Will. Wendy says to me, ooh, Laurence Olivier, when did you get two grand to go and work with your friend for two weeks? That's on Channel 5 at the minute uh, on Friday nights and the Lineker thing and the tours. And yet if I walked out of here and got run over by a bus, it would be soap powder, Daz man dies. <laughs> <laughs> or refuses to die. <laughs> That's what it is, yeah. Chris, uh, man who used to work with Chris Evans found in gutter. That, mind you, we're always a heartbeat away from that headline, aren't we? Yeah, again. All right, OK, well, Danny, thanks so much. No, always. Well done. Um, uh, good time, Charlie's back. Tour continues April 29. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Taking a seat on our own Iron Throne is a lady up there as the most evil in all of Game of Thrones, and that really is quite an achievement. But what will her fate be? Here to reveal all ahead of her the last ever season. Who am I kidding? She's not allowed to tell us anything. It's the really lovely and not evil at all, Lena Headey. Morning, Lena. Hello. You can't actually tell us anything, can I you? Can't tell Thank you, you very much, bye-bye. Lena Headey. Bye bye. Great. Okay, someone else next. No. Okay. Uh, Lena, <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. So you've been Game of Thrones for what for nine years now? Yes. Nine years. How? How did you get the job? Uh, just a simple audition. Right. And how, why did they come to you? Is it actually? I know this. Wasn't it one of your pals who already was already had a job? Oh on the yeah, show? it was Dink- yeah Dinklage. I was doing a job with Dinklage, and uh, he said, "Oh my god, I'm reading the script, and it's bonkers, and you should do it." And I was like, mm, "Incest, dragons, I'm I'm in." So did you? Re- so so you hadn't read the script then because you weren't allowed to. Uh, did they send you anything beforehand before no. the audition? No, okay. they just send you like a page and don't tell you anything else. All right, what did you think of the page you were sent? <laughs> it was kind of saucy. Was it? Yeah. So it was saucy first and everything else second, yeah. third, fourth, and fifth. Yeah. And now you've been, if you've been in that, because you've been in every series, have you been in every single episode? No, not every single episode. All right. I've missed a few. Okay. And you've seen people You've seen people come and go, um, this is the last series. Is it all in the can? Is it all done and dusted? Everything is nailed now? Yes. There's nothing still to be done? No. So are you still in the employ of the producer of Game of Thrones, or is that... No, I'm heavily unemployed now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. A bit scary. Right, which is... Because you, you're mid-40s now. Yes. Yeah, just come a bit closer to the mic if you don't mind. Sorry, Excuse yeah. And, um, but you, but you was, were you discovered at the age of 17? Uh, yeah, 17. So you were spotted in what, by whom, where? I did uh, a school play. I'm from Yorkshire, and we got a competition, and we went down to perform on the National when we were... 
young, and um, which was massive for like a little high school. What, what was the production? <clears throat> it was called the Coca-Cola Dragon. Right. It was about the Vietnam War. Right. And it was performed by a bunch of girls from Yorkshire. Right. And uh, yeah, I got spotted and asked to audition for it. And were, were, you, were you interacting so, so from like 10 or 11 or was it, was it later for you at school? No, I loved it. From Always. the beginning? Yeah. Okay, inspired by whom or what maybe? I don't know. I just thought, oh, I'd love to do that. And everyone said, mm, you can't. It doesn't happen to people. And yeah. I was like, who, I do, who did you like though? Who did you like at the time? I think I liked all the old musicals. Right. You know, I loved kind of watching all that shiny like... What about stuff. mom and dad? Did they did they did it with the sing-alongs at home with the evenings around the piano? Uh, did you have a favourite uncle or auntie who brought the guitar around? Or no? So, so this is all down to you. Down to me. You're a self-made because <laughs> often people come in and they talk about oh my, my uncle Phil he came around and it's all no. down to him. I think it was just escapism. And it was via the telly or the cinema or, or... telly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how much? Could, I know you can't talk about the, the about series eight, sort <laughs> sort of at all, right? No. Which is fine, and that's the way, that's the way that's the way it is with Game of Thrones. But so, how much can you talk about things that have happened in the last seven series that we haven't thus far found out about, like the secret, the, the extent of how secret the scripts are, how soon you find out who's going to be killed? Because I'm new to Game of Thrones. I don't know if they've told you this, right? But I'm a, I'm aghast. I'm amazed how quickly people get killed. I.e. You you sort of you have an inkling about three seconds before their throat is slit or they've stabbed or something <laughs> falls on them. I mean, it's pretty instant. So tell us your experience of secret scripts and things like that. Uh, well, I think that's true. When you watch it, if you fall in love with a character, they're going to die. It's like you sort of almost project Apart it onto from them. You. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, no one likes Cersei, so she's still around. I don't mind her, but we'll get into that in a minute or two. Um, <clears throat> it's very secretive. We have to sign, kind of, as the show's gone on, you have to sign lots of papers mm. and then the lovely runners come and they're like, can I have a paper? And if you don't have it, they get in trouble. Right. <laughs> so we always kind of hang on, stuff it any way you can. Uh, so so but the higher you go up in the pecking order, and let's face it, this, from an act- acting point of view, there's very few higher than you in the Game of Thrones world. Do you get let off? Do you get let, Or do you get told a bit more? Or is it the same rule no, for everyone? Oh, God, no, same rule. Yeah. That's what's lovely about it. Right. Oh, let's talk let's talk about um let's talk about special effects. When it's when it snowed, when it snowed in scenes you were in, mm-hmm. was it snowing? It did actually snow. Where, 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 where? When we were in uh <clears throat> in the sort of map room, they right. just suddenly opened the skies and it properly snowed. What with real snow from God? Real snow not real <laughs> snow, like fake snow. Oh, no, 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 do... no, that's what I'm asking. So did you go to places where it really snowed as you were filming? I didn't. Course? They right. did. Okay. I'm always in Belfast in a room. This room in Belfast, how big is it? <laughs> the vast. Is it a soundstage? Yeah, it's they. It's where they built the Titanic. So our first season, there were no, there was no soundproofing. So you, right. there was just pigeons and wind, and you could. We had to redo the whole thing. Right now, what about your friends and your family in Game of Thrones? I mean, it's not, a, it's not a, a three-line whip. They don't have to watch. They don't have to be fans. But how many are? How many are? Percentile-wise, very few. Really love it. Right. Do you, yeah. do you like it? Do you yeah, like I it? watch it. Okay, so where will you be watching on, on Monday? Uh, I will be with my children on holiday, so I won't be watching. Okay, and uh, the, you, how much of the final series have you seen? I haven't seen any of it. Do you know what happens in the end? Yeah. No, I know it's not just because you're <laughs> in it, but don't they like record multiple endings and not even tell the actors? Does that happen? No, we know. All right, so what might happen? What, what might, might happen? So you actually know what... So, like, there are millions, tens, maybe hundreds... They're really scared of, now. Maybe hundreds of millions <laughs> of people in the world want to know what happens, and you know what happens. Yeah. Ooh, what does that mean? <laughs> Master, you're a brilliant commentator. What, just, just tell everyone what Lena did with I her did. hands. That was, a, that was quite a strange. It was almost in prayer position, but the fingers were wiggling, and then the, the hands from prayer position at sort of chin height went up to above forehead height and down with fingers wiggling all the time while staring at you without blinking. So what was that? <laughs> what, what, did, what did that mean, what you just did? It was sort of an internal like I know. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky, the best entertainment all in one place on Virgin Radio. Not content with being a lost boy, a young gun, a designated survivor, and of course a Jack Bauer. Our next guest has turned his attention to making beautiful music with his new single "Something You Love" out now and second album "Reckless and Me" out later this month. Please welcome the legendary Kiefer Sutherland. Good morning, Kiefer. Good morning. I don't know how you get past an introduction like that, but thank you very much. He's very good, isn't he? Very nice. I'll take 
you with me. Yeah, he writes them, he reads them. He's he's the he's the real deal. Well, Kiefer, congratulations. I forgive me. I had no idea you could do this so well. Uh, it's a really well kept secret, and that's very kind of you. Thank you. No, but I was reading online last night because I watched some of the live performances because they filmed over the last few days and they've been posted on. You've you posted some on YouTube yourself. I think you might have done. Um, Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I but think the point is, I work with yeah, might have, but yeah. they're there anyway, uh, and the comments are so complimentary uh, because you can really do this stuff. How come you've been hiding under a bushel for so long? I think for the longest time, I was. Uh, I'm uniquely aware of the stigma of an actor doing music, and uh, and I had no intention of making a record. I had about 25 songs that I wanted to record to send off to BMI and Sony Music and see if any of their artists would like to do them. And uh, the producer that I was working with, a guy named Jude Cole, who's been one of my best friends for 30 years, really liked the songs, and he was the one who convinced me to kind of make them, keep them for myself. And one thing led to another, and I fell in love with touring, and so for the last five years, I played, you know, 400 shows, and, and in the middle of doing Designated Survivor. Uh, and it's just, it's been a fantastic new outlet for me to try and figure out how to tell a story this way. So, so you start your first gig and you're back here and you're yearning to get to this place of presence yes. and comfort, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, where, where you can sort of be, go deep as opposed to long. Mm -hmm. So how long did it take you to get to that stage? We were doing, it, it wasn't that long. It, it was maybe a, a month or two, but we were playing a show in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I think it was the first time we weren't playing in a dirty bar. And the audience was actually seated. And uh, it felt more like a theater. And so I felt comfortable kind of saying this is where I was when I wrote this song and this yeah. is why I wrote it and this is why I think it might be worth listening to and maybe you've had a similar experience. And once that dialogue started with the audience, the show completely changed. And here I was for the first time in my life telling kind of personal stories about my own life, something that I'd protected for 30 years. Yeah. And... It was one of the most freeing experiences I'd ever had. And so once you kind of could lean into that, the, the, the shows became an incredible amount of fun. One of the things after going to a great gig I don't like is getting stuck in traffic in the car park on the way out or, or <laughs> yeah. having to get up for work the next day. And I just always want to go out and carry on the party. And I will consider that before I book tickets for a gig, like what happens afterwards, because I don't want to be... You know, on a, on a really massive high of a natural supply, and then then have to try and get to sleep at quarter to eleven. What do you do after a gig? Well, I, I go straight for a cigarette and a whiskey. <laughs> you know, it's uh, so good for the voice. Um, and I was going to say, if you come to one of our shows, you just hop on the bus and we'll get you home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, by the way, I don't mind when. And we don't pull out for quite a while, <laughs> okay. so you won't have any traffic by the time we leave. That's fine. <laughs> and so, so um, it, have you experienced a, any kind of continuous euphoria like that you're experiencing after gigs now? I think there's the huge relief if something goes well, you know. But that's different uh, though, isn't it? And, well, no, it's, it's kind of, it's all part and parcel because, it, you know, and I've, I've had this experience. I did that championship season on Broadway for a year. The 300th performance wasn't any easier walking on than the first one. Uh, so just for me, I have a natural kind of, I figured out how to use the nervous energy and kind of move forward with it. Um, but, yeah, I have great expectations of what I want out of a show. And to get through it and have kind of even get 75% of that accomplished, wahoo, you know. And, and I love the band that I play with. And, and look, if, if we felt we earned the drink and a cigarette, we're going to take it. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, but what's what's interesting about when music is introduced into the live performance um, genre, uh, as opposed to theatre or even musical theatre, when it's mostly music like you're, you're doing at the moment with your band, there's a different that you you have um, some sort of added help, don't you? Music 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 is a wave you can ride on and in. Completely different rules. You do a you do a play in the theatre as an actor, and they've got rules. And, you know, you're supposed to sit quietly. You're supposed to listen, wait till the end of the performance. If you choose to show your appreciation, great. Uh, music, we want you out of your seat from the first downbeat. We want you making as much noise as possible, and we want you part of it. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a, just a very different way of presenting stories. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Are you gut happy? Is your tummy yummy? An unhappy gut can lead to all sorts of health problems, and our next guest has news of a holistic health revamp that can flip-reverse any nasty symptoms. Here to share her transformational story, it's journalist Claire Irvin. Yeah. 
Good morning, Claire. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, so I read your article. It was the cover article, the cover story on the front page of the Telegraph magazine on Saturday, and I was reading it on the South Coast, and here you are now as a result of me reading that and reading every word and syllable out and comma and semicolon out to my wife of your article. She said, I've got to get on with my day, but it's so fascinating. So, so what issues did you have with your gut? What drove you to go all the way to where you went to find out everything you needed to know? Well, I've had long-term discomfort um, when I eat. I mean, you know, from way probably 20 years of knowing that I perhaps shouldn't eat certain things that they're going to make me feel uncomfortable, but not entirely knowing how to avoid that. Going to the doctors, being told I've got IBS, coming away and starting to eat healthily, so eating loads of fruit and then feeling even worse feeling quite depressed going back to eat you know so there's this vicious circle and it just um I also have quite a good but very stressful job I've got a commute I've got kids you know so you, all these things are compacting um you know drink too much coffee out of vending machines all these things and it got to a point where I literally felt like I couldn't stand up straight right. so although I probably looked like I was internally you know it was you excruciating fed really fed up right. and I was grumpy yeah. and I was edgy and um yeah I mean it was adding stress to a life that I didn't really feel um needed it <laughs> but fortunately um you are the travel editor for the telegraph magazine and Very so, so one. you could do something about it now i didn't realize you were the travel editor i thought you were the health editor <laughs> uh, but never the twain should meet apart from in the telegraph magazine so Absolutely. you went to where for how long and who did you meet and what did they teach you so i went to lanzerhof in um in austria there's three of them now this is the original lanzerhof clinic mm-hmm. and it has created this um energy Cuisine, a lands cuisine system based on FX Mayer clinics. So, for any of those who know anything about gut health, um, FX Mayer was the originator of this idea that the gut has its own brain, and um, and and really worked out this method of cleansing and um, detoxifying the body and treating it. So, Lanzerhof now has this uh, really fantastic um, retreat in the Alps, and you go, and they completely um, it's it's a it's diet. It's a very holistic approach to cleansing your gut and getting you back on track. You said within the first 36 hours, the tummy you'd wished for for the last 20 years finally appeared or yeah. disappeared almost. Yeah, yeah, disappeared. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, you know, one of my uh, dinner dinner buddies, uh, this really lovely Swiss lady, just said to me, it is like looking at a different Claire. And she'd only known <laughs> me for 24 hours. I was like, this is brilliant. I'm staying here. <laughs> and, and is, when, when did you go? How, how long ago did you uh, go? It was in October. Okay, and everything? fine sense yeah yeah and I mean you know I remember the doctor said to me well you know people come back and they say well I was I was okay until Christmas I was okay until my birthday but in actual fact I think if you know the rule it's fairly easy just to clear a week mm. I think I'm going to do it properly for a week and then you can just you know you can just tweak it and once that. you feel the results and, and sense uh, the, the the increase in well-being why wouldn't you carry exactly, on exactly exactly so I mean it's they are really really easy rules to live by so yes it is hugely expensive to go to Lanzerhof you know one in five people suffers from IBS one in five people aren't going to be able to afford to go there but the rules and the takeout you know the hot, uh, hot water bottle on your tummy oh this is good evening. tell everyone this is a great tip yeah so if you um well that's it really sit with a hot water bottle I mean they have a special Lanzerhof way of sort of wrapping it around your stomach but effectively in a damp cloth isn't it they yes put it in if, a damp you, if you wrap it in a damp cloth and then you hold it on your tummy for 20, uh, for 20 minutes again that really helps soothe it and, and that's amazing so it's, it's kind of little things um, hot and cold showers can help with your circulation and therefore your digestion. Uh, you know, the whole thing about um, hot and cold is really important. So, you know, there's so many takeouts that yeah. anybody, like you said, you've been following it since Saturday. And feel yeah, better. well, we've been doing the cold shower thing on the show for the last six weeks and now loads of people have been doing it. We've all, we don't need espressos anymore. We're on no. fire in the day. Yeah. Uh, we sleep better at night. If you have a cold shower just before, hot and then cold, yeah. just before you go to bed at night, it just changes everything. You just, I don't know what it is. There, there must be science behind it. You probably know bit of it uh, but you lost on average a pound a day you look great you look fantastic how Thank much you. have you lost since october how much weight have you lost since october? i haven't but then i'm not trying to yeah, just yeah. trying to stay comfortable so okay. you all know right. I, you. I probably lost in all um maybe 15 16 pounds because you when I, where you are yeah when i came back from lands off this is how committed i was i went straight into a travel conference 
and they are really boozy affairs and they, um, you know, rich food the whole time you're being masticated to. And I stuck to it religiously and then for another two weeks after that. So all in all, I lost about £16. All right. Um, the very successful article. Uh, you said you've been inundated with requests like this yeah. since Saturday. Absolutely. What yeah. do you do next about this? Because this, uh, this is now turning to the first chapter, I think, of something yeah. else. Well, there's a huge debate. Somebody's come out and said that IBS is in the mind, not in the, uh, not an actual physical thing, which is... <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, there's so going to be a lot of debate on that. I'm just wondering if that person has ever suffered from IBS. <laughs> uh, so I'm taking a while, I guess, that they maybe haven't. So no. what are you going to do next? So we're looking at other gut health clinics. We're looking at other ways that it's changed our readers' lives. We're going to be doing loads of first-person stories. And uh, I'm quite looking forward to going and exploring some of those places as well. <laughs> All right, well, awesome. And if people want to read this article for the first time, where can they go to read it's it? It's on the tra- Telegraph website. Telegraph yeah. website. Under... Gut Health, Claire Irvin. All right, Claire. Thanks for bothering to come here. You're Thanks. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Anything to save us before we lose, Claire? I love this. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.